0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And of course, since it is the Chronicles of Nania, you know that means I'm joined by the one and only Michael Nannia, writer for Gangrene Nation, podcast host for TurnOnTheJets.com, writer for Elite Sports New York. Pretty sure this guy writes for every single site that somehow involves New York sports. I don't know where he gets the time, but I will tell you this. Nobody gets the nerdy numbers like this guy, and that's why it's always a treat to talk to him, Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, what's going on, man?
2: Uh, not too much. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, the Oscars were last night. I, of course, did not watch that, but the Knicks did get mentioned, so that was great for me. I know you're a Nets fan, but being a Knicks fan, having Samuel L. Jackson mention the Knicks last night is pretty cool, so that was the big win that I cared about. So.
1: I'm fine with not being mentioned during the Oscars because <laughs> the Nets have D'Angelo Russell, so I'm fine with it. That's their Oscar as far as I'm concerned, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that was a huge steal for the Nets, so enjoy him. The Knicks are going to get Kyrie, and we'll, we'll go from there, NKD, but enjoy Russell for now. You got him. He's great.
1: Things could get interesting with New York basketball in the next year or two, no question it's about it. It's fun, though. That. It's
2: fun, though. I mean, I'm, I don't like the Nets, but it's great that they're competitive now, so hopefully the Knicks can get back there, too, and go from there and have some more competitive in city rivalries you know
1: yeah no question and hopefully we have something along those lines with the jets and giants i can't speak for whatever the giants are going to do but as far as the jets we know that they have some things to build on they've got sam darnold they've got jamal adams and one guy that they have that certainly could be a huge weapon for mr darnold is christopher herndon you wrote quite a bit about him At elite sports new york this week and went over why he could be the tight end of the future and quite possibly the best tight end this team has had in decades take us through your article what did you dig up on herndon
2: yeah so herndon had what was quite pretty quietly a really good rookie season and i mean but with the jets struggling as much as they have a tight end it definitely stood out herndon did end up with 39 catches 502 yards four touchdowns good numbers But, you know, it does kind of pale to, like, the George Kittles, Rob Gronkowskis, Jimmy Graham's, like, these elite tight ends who put up huge numbers, like wide receiver one caliber numbers, so it does pale in comparison to them, kind of, but for a rookie, this was actually a really good, when you compare it historically, really good season for Herndon. He was the first Jets rookie tight end to hit 500 yards since Dustin Keller did it back in 2008, and you compare him to just outside of the Jets and other rookies throughout the, the course of NFL history, so... Heard his five or two yards, four touchdowns, and he averaged 8.96 yards per target this season. And since 2000, only other, only one other rookie tight end has hit all three of those numbers. And that was Robert Ginkowski back in his rookie year. So, and that 8.96 yards per target number, that was extremely efficient for a rookie. That was, that is the fourth best number by a rookie since 2000 among rookie tight ends with at least 50 targets behind only Mark Andrews for the Baltimore Ravens. He did this year. And his rookie seasons, Gronkowski, which I already mentioned, and Hunter Henry back in 2016. The only three rookie tight ends to be more efficient in terms of guards per target than Herndon was this year. So he had a really good rookie year, and again, it didn't stand out that much because the numbers are good, but they weren't outstanding. But when you compare it to rookie tight ends, he's in tremendous, tremendous company. And you just look at what he did from week six to the end of the season when he started getting more regularly involved in the offense. He's one of the best receiving tight ends in the league over that span. So you look at his numbers from week six to week 17, he had 34 catches. That was 13th in the league, 455 yards. That was seventh, Four touchdowns. That was tied for fourth. And his 9.29 yards per target was second out of the 18 tight ends with at least 40 targets. So he had a really good rookie season for a tight end by historical standards uh, from the time he started getting involved in the offense in that Colts game of week six to the end of the year. He's one of the top 10 to 15 receiving tight ends in the league. So it was a really promising rookie year for him, so really excited to see what he does with Darnold going forward.
1: I also wanted to get your take on what was going on with PFF with Herndon, because they really got some Jets fans annoyed with some comments that they made about the Jets tight end position. you talk about that a little bit?
2: It was a video, and they were talking, like, it was like these two guys, they were talking about, like, oh, the Jets tight end position, who do they even have there? and like one of the guys like, oh, who was their tight end this year? ASJ. So, you know, that pissed me off. Pissed a lot of Jets fans off. But like right before that, like the day before the same day, they posted like their grades for the top tight ends in the AFC East. And Berndon was like 0.1 behind Gronk. And the guys <laughs> don't even know who he is. So they're going to find out. They're going to know his name next year.
1: Really makes you wonder about how these PFF grades are selected. right?
2: Yeah, definitely. For sure. I mean, I'm convinced they pulled it out of the hat at this point. They also put out these grades. It was like the top receivers in the AFC East, and they had— the, Robbie Anderson wasn't the top five, and they had Devontae Parker, Robert Foster, Jakeem Grant, so, I mean, I don't even know at this point.
0: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep.
1: PFF is a nice tool to use, but do not take it as gospel because there's certainly some inefficiencies in their system. But there are no inefficiencies in the nanniest system, and that's why we always go to you for these numbers. And you've got some great numbers in difference in Jets' defense's points per game allowed with and without some of the key starters who missed a lot of time in 2018. So could you unpack that for me?
2: Yeah, so definitely with this study that I did, a little study that I did, the the sample size is pretty small, so you can't read too much into it, but I thought it would be interesting to look at the starters who missed the most time for the Jets last year and compare how the team did with versus without them. So the Jets had four key defensive starters that missed multiple games last year. Buster Screen, who missed two, Darren Lee, four, Marcus May, missed 10 games, and Tremaine Johnson missed six. So among those four guys, Buster Screen is actually the guy Uh, In terms of the Jets' defense had the biggest difference in the amount of points they allowed with him in the lineup versus without. Uh, They only allowed 24.4 with screen in the lineup. And they gave up 71 points in the two games he missed against the Colts and Vikings. And Darren Lee also had a huge difference in the lineup versus when he was out. The Jets were allowing 23.8 points per game uh, before he went out with four games left in the season. And over those final four games that he missed, the Jets allowed 32 points per game. And of those four guys, Marcus May had a really small difference Uh, when he was in the lineup versus out. But Tremaine Johnson actually is the only guy to have a negative difference when uh, when he was out of the lineup. In the 10 games Johnson played, the Jets allowed about 27 points a game. And then in the games he missed, the Jets only allowed about 25 points per game. So the Jets did perform better in terms of the amount of points they were giving up with their highest paid defensive player out of the lineup.
1: And on the offensive side of the ball, you did a similar study, right?
2: Yeah, I also did the same thing for the offense, and there was a lot more to work with here, Uh, way more than the four players on defense missed multiple games. You have Robbie Anderson, Bob Powell, Sam Darnold, Quincy Noon, Brandon Schell, Jermaine Curse, Isaiah Currell, and Elijah McGuire, and the guy with the biggest difference in terms of the offense's points per game with him in the lineup versus with that was Robbie Anderson, about a 10-point-per-game difference. Um, The two games Anderson missed, the Jets only scored 20 points on offense, so And with him in the lineup, they they were scoring about 20 points per game. And the other two guys at the top with him, Powell's number two on the list uh, when he was in the lineup, the Jets were scoring 23 points per game before he went out. And then in the nine games, after Powell went out, the Jets went down to about 15 points per game. Sam Darnold is third. And these are the three guys with the biggest difference. So Sam Darnold, three games Darnold missed. The Jets were only scoring 13 points per game versus 20 when he was starting. So it's really promising to see Darnold that high because... And, and we talked about this on another episode, but the fact that you got a chance to compare the same offense with the same, you know, the same sporting cast, same coaching uh, to another quarterback really let you see the difference that he had uh, on the team, even just as a rookie. And then get to see the chance, uh, get a chance to see his progression uh, coming back from the injury in a separate stint to finish the season versus the start. So definitely it was promising to see Sam Darnold have such a positive impact.
1: It really makes you think that if they could add some playmakers here, it could be a very different 2019 for this team if Sam Darnold is surrounded by some extra talent, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. And we've been talking about all the offensive free agency targets. We're going to go into Bell next week. So yeah, definitely to add some more talent would be really helpful. And I want to go back to something on Chris Herndon that I didn't mention before. So Sam Darnold, when he targeted Chris Herndon last year, he had a 127 Point one passer rating and and Josh McCown struggles. Uh, McCown only had a sixty two point seven passer rating when throwing to Herndon this year. That dipped Chris Herndon's overall passer rating when targeted down to one hundred six point four for the season. But if Herndon kept that one hundred twenty seven point one rating uh, when Donald was targeting him over the course of the season, that would be the best mark in the NFL among all tight ends with at least fifty targets. So the connection those two guys had. It would look like the start of something that could be really special. Of course, if Herndon could stay on the field of some of his off-the-field struggles, but that could be the start of a really special connection for a long time. But like you did say, definitely got to get some more weapons in there.
1: Chris Herndon, who's that?
2: <laughs> I, I didn't know he started working for PFF. I didn't know that.
1: But... Live look at the PFF offices as they do their best New Day impression. Who, 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 who,
2: Yeah, Definitely.
1: But I agree. That is some very interesting information, and it's something I certainly wouldn't have thought to look up, and that's why we all go to you for this stuff. That's incredible that he had such a high rating when being targeted by Sam Darnold. It really suggests to me that there could be some real magic between those two going forward, and the beautiful thing about it, Michael, is that both guys are so young and could have so many years ahead of them here with the New York Jets.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and we, we give... Not Mike McCagnon a ton, and most of it is deserved. But this pick already, and Herdins only got one year in the books. But this already might be his best value pick since becoming the GM of the Jets, and it, it's hard to find competition for it. Maybe Brandon Shell, maybe Jordan Jenkins. But you look at the upside. Herndon shows ne- neither Shell or Jenkins, and those two guys have started for this team. And you know maybe they wouldn't start for a good team or a playoff team, but. Herndon was already, like I told you the numbers before, he was playing like a top 10 to 15 kind of tight end towards the end of the season. And starting for the entirety of his rookie year so, it really looks like Herndon might be one of Mac's best value picks. So it definitely should be interesting to watch those guys going forward because they're a good fit for one another. You saw towards the end of the season, Herndon, he knew how to improvise. He knew how to break off his route and give Sam a target when he's out on the run. And they just really seem like a great compliment. So it's going to be fun to watch them.
1: I think that Herndon at this point has to be considered Mac's best value pick. As you said, Jenkins and Shell are both okay players but their value is not far from where they were actually drafted whereas with Herndon if he keeps this up he's going to be worth a hell of a lot more than the fourth round pick that the Jets used to get him the question is now can they add playmakers on offense and defense so let's get back to the defensive side of the ball because as you said Michael we are going to dissect the biggest playmaker that is going to be available this offseason Le'Veon Bell next week so for now let's talk defense two guys that I really like and think should be right at the top of the Jets list we'll start with Anthony Barr four-time pro bowler I'll admit I don't know that he necessarily deserved it all four times but phenomenal athlete and I've pointed this out many times he's relatively new to the position he's only been playing linebacker since his last year at UCLA he's a converted running back former track star so there's some upside there and I think that if he's brought in and deployed more as a pass rusher you could see some interesting results because Michael as your numbers uncovered he's actually been a very effective pass rusher when used that way
2: yeah definitely and pro football focus and we've knocked pro football focus a lot in this podcast already so we're going to give you some credit here they do have really good numbers what PFF is best for is like their their raw numbers you know your pass rushing stats your coverage stats you know Things that where bias isn't in involved. So his pass rushing numbers, Anthony Barr, are pretty good. They gave him credit for in 2018, leading all linebackers in pass rushing productivity with 23 pressures on um, only 94 pass rush snaps over the course of the year. So Barr is really interesting. If the Jets do move to a four three defense, they're probably going to have to have have to add another linebacker uh, with Darren Lee and Avery Williamson because they don't really have a third guy who can fit into a four three linebacker kind of spot. You can't really play Jordan Jenkins there. He's not athletic enough to cover or get out of coverage. Brandon Copeland probably can't either, so you probably have to add another guy. And Anthony Barr has a ton of experience playing in the 4-3. In Mike Zimmer's defense, he's athletic enough to get out of coverage, but like I just said, he's really good as a pass rusher, so maybe with more pass rushing opportunities, he can be even more productive as a pass rusher. So Barr should be a really interesting option, so if he does become available, and the Jets do need that third linebacker, he should definitely be a, a target for the Jets, so It'll be interesting to see how they prioritize that position. And Barr should be one of the top targets if he does become available. And like you said, the four Pro Bowls, that's probably a little bit, uh, because he was a top 10 pick, probably a little bit, you know, not deserving of four Pro Bowls in terms of how he's produced. That's probably more of a popularity thing. But he's a really good player, uh, one of the better 4-3 outside linebackers in the league. So the Jets should be in on him if they're looking for that third guy.
1: I would be in on him in a second as opposed to somebody like Dante Fowler.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, most definitely. One of the worst targets the Jets could have this offseason, but that's a topic for another pod. Hopefully we'll get into that another time. Actually, you know what? I take that back. Hopefully, we never have to talk
3: about yeah. that. No, downplay power.
1: Fowler. <laughs> yes, agreed.
3: Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoop and with hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's talk about the guys that we want the Jets to get. So we talked about Anthony Barn Now let's move on to Trey Flowers. There are some people that will say, well, he's a Patriot, and these guys leave the Patriots and don't produce as much elsewhere, and Bill Belichick never lets his best players go, and so on and so forth. But as far as I'm concerned, you got to watch the film, and that's really where this goes. You look at Trey Flowers. He is very good at a whole lot of different things, very few weaknesses. He may not necessarily be that superstar stud pass rusher like a Khalil Mack, but somebody that can make a real impact on this defensive line. That's pretty much what you found in your profile, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I'll start off with the negatives, bounce off of what you said. So the Patriots effect, that is a stigma that most people have. You know, Belichick, will They let a lot of free agents go over there, and a lot of times they don't do as well after they leave New England, and for the most part, they keep their best players, which is, like we said, is rare, but so that definitely is a little bit something that you do have to keep in mind with any Patriots free agent, but, and also with him, his box score production isn't as flashy as, you know, some of the other top-tier pass rushers, whether it's Jamarcus Lawrence, Jadavian Clowney, he doesn't really, Flowers doesn't really stack up to them that well in the the common box score. uh, Since 2016, Flowers is only... 53rd in tackles for loss, 34th in sacks, 32nd in forced fumbles, and 19th in quarterback hits. So those numbers, if you're considering giving Flowers a deal that's going to make him probably one of the top 5 to 10, at least, highest-paid 4-3 defensive ends in the league, those numbers aren't that promising when you stack it up against that price. But like you said, when you turn on the film and just look at the variety of different positions this guy can line up at and make plays at, that's when you really see the value that he has. And PFF had a really interesting stat. A 57-43 split, left versus right, uh, in terms of which side his pass rushes came from, so he can line up on either side, you could see him line up as a 5-tech, 3-tech, even over center sometimes, wide 9, all over the place, this guy can rush the passer, and also as a run defender, he's really good, PFF gave him a 10.5% run stop percentage last year, which is fourth best among edge defenders, and he's a top 10 edge defender overall over there, so... Definitely you gotta look past the box score a little bit. This is a guy who could help you in a lot of different ways fit in any defense. So he should be among the guys who could realistically become available. Flowers is definitely the, the best target. If Lawrence becomes available, he's probably your top option. Clowney's probably ahead of Flowers, but both of those guys definitely seems kind of questionable if they do become available. And Flowers really could hit the market. It seems like he is the best chance of those guys, so if he does become available, Flowers has got to be a top target for the Jets, and like I mentioned last week, it's Bell, Flowers, and Matt Paradis. probably your three guys who are the dream trio for the Jets, and Flowers definitely deserves to be a part of that, so look past the sack numbers, he hasn't had eight sacks in a season yet, that definitely does, if you don't look at the film, it definitely could put you off a little bit, but once you look beyond that, this is a really talented and versatile player who could help any defense, and the Jets should be all in on it.
1: Yeah, Michael, I want to ask you about your final conclusions here because you've done profiles of most of the top free agents in this class. And like I said, we'll omit Le'Veon Bell because we're going to do a show just on him next week. But I wanted to know, based on the guys that you have profiled, we know you like Paradise, and we know that you like Flowers. If you were sitting in the GM seat, and you had to make a list of targets and priorities and so on and so forth based on the guys that you have profiled in depth. What would that list look like?
2: I think, and like I just mentioned, the, the dream trio, those three guys, I think my number one guy, and uh, this might be a, maybe not a hot take. I think most people agree this guy is a, a target that they want, but I think my number one guy would actually be Matt Paradis. I think you look at this Jets offense last year, and – And we take it for granted as Jets fans. We had Nick Mangold for so long. Uh, We had, you know, we've had, we have a really good history at the center position. So I think we've taken that position for granted. And over the last two years, we've seen what a bad center can really do to an offense. This run game has been terrible the last two years of pass protection at the center position. And you look at the best centers in the league, they only give up single, like a single digit amount of pressures over the course of the whole season. And we have Spencer Long who's giving up sacks on a weekly basis. So, the center position is way more important than Jets fans have been used to because we've been spoiled with Nick Mangold and all the great centers that we've had. So I think that, especially for a young quarterback with Darnold, to upgrade that position, stabilize this offensive line, build it from the inside out, I think is really important. And you look at Matt Paradis, he's a guy who has only played four seasons in the league as a starter. Even though he's up there in age, it's because he was an older rookie. This is a guy who doesn't have that much tread on his tires in terms of uh, the amount of miles he's racked up in the league. And you just watch him play. I think he's versatile in any scheme. He's a great pass protector. He's got a great combo of athleticism and strength. He's functional. He's got great fundamentals. I think this guy is clearly a top five center in the game, maybe better than that. So if he does become available, that is my number one target, without a doubt, to fix this offensive line.
1: What about the rest of the list? How would you rank it?
2: Um, I, it's pretty tough, I think. And like you said, those are probably the top three guys. Among the realistic options, Bell, Flowers, and Paradise. I think number two, I would go Flowers uh, just, because, just over Bell because of positional value. Because as much as I like Bell, he's a great player. He is a running back, and that's just going to be a question mark. It's just the.
0: Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.
2: That's just how the position is. You don't know uh, whether or not it's worth paying a running back that much, and there are a ton of question marks that come with him, so I would put flowers ahead of him. But that would be my number three. This is a guy who is the all-time yards uh, scrimmage yards per game leader among players who have played at least 50 games. So with all the question marks, this is a guy, like I just said, most scrimmage yards per game ever. So it's not like he's a good player. It's not like he's a pretty good player. This guy is as productive as anybody's ever been. So you can overlook those question marks for a player at that kind of talent level. And beyond those three, there definitely seems to be a drop-off after those three guys. And, of course, leaving out the Demarcus Lawrences and Chadavian Clowney, who you don't really know, if they're going to be available or not. Uh, After those three guys, it seems like kind of a drop-off, but I look at the wide receiver position. I think there are some really solid, if not great, players over there. You're Adam Humphreys, Golden Tate, uh, Jameson Crowder. Uh, For the Jets, I definitely would like to see them get that slot receiver. I think that would really help them. So after those three guys, I look at the slot receiver position. Hopefully they can get one of those guys. Cornerback's going to be huge for this team also. Uh, You have Ronald Darby, a few other slot uh, slot corner options, so... Uh, maybe Darby would be at the top, 2 He's been pretty decent in Philadelphia. Probably a, His best seasons is probably even better than the best seasons of the wide receivers that are available. So maybe Darby would be number four. The Jets do need that cornerback help. But I think that's how I'd pretty much stack up the top of the list. You have those three guys, uh, Paradis, uh, Bell, and Flowers. You're going to need that slot receiver. Jets need a cornerback. <laughs> this is crazy how I many needs they have. But And also Mitch Morris, I think. Uh, I think he's a pretty good player, too. So if the Jets don't get Paradis... I think Mitch Morris is near the top of the list also for the center position, but I think that would be the top of my list. Bell, Flowers, Paradise, uh, or Paradise, then uh, Flowers, then Bell, then slot receiver, then corner.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60 game sprint
1: Of the guys you've profiled, is there anybody that you think people aren't talking about that they should be or somebody that might be a real bargain that the Jets could zero in on?
2: Um, I think I think Morris as uh, because uh, we've been talking about Paradis, so I think Morris is a pretty good player also uh, if the Jets don't get him for the center position. So, I definitely think I'd be pretty happy if they ended up with Mitch Morris, even though I do think Paradis is a better player. I do think Morris is pretty good also and I don't think he's as cuz last year the Jets didn't get uh, Weston Richburg, they didn't get Ryan Jensen, and Spencer Long kind of felt like, you know, a decent option, but he felt like a drop off from those two guys. But Mitch Morris, I do think, is a above average center, and I think he'd really help this offense, uh, close to the, uh, close to the level that Paradise would. So I think Morris doesn't get talked about enough, uh, at the receiver position, and I think you'd agree. I think Jameson Crowder should be talked about more. Uh, his production level, and he's pretty young too, is his production level is close to the level of all the other guys that have been talked about, and He's a downfield threat. Uh, He he had some injury questions this year, but he didn't have any questions before the season in terms of injuries. So I think Crowder is a guy who deserves more attention for that slot receiver spot.
1: Yeah. Crowder is at the top of my list. For players that should be getting talked about a lot more as potential targets that aren't. Like you said, he's young. I think he's only 26. He was very productive in Washington before he got hurt. But he's a guy that could be a real weapon in this Gase offense because we know the way that he likes to use receivers. And Crowder fits in perfectly. I think he would be a really nice third guy to go along with a noon one, Anderson. And then if you were to add Bell think about it we already talked about the impact that Herndon could have if you have Bell Herndon and then you have a noon one Anderson coming back and bringing in Crowder now all of a sudden you've surrounded Darnold with quite a few weapons there get Paradise in here or Morris or somebody start building that offensive line and you could see this offense really start to cook in 2019 heading into 2020 which is the year that I think that they should really be targeting to be a real contender
2: yeah and the thing with Crowder is Crowders i think and you mentioned Bell if, if they potentially add him, I think he brings versatility to the table. You look at his numbers, you watch him play. He makes a ton of catches down the field, yes. up the seam, which is really unique for a slot guy. There aren't really as many slot receivers that make as many downfield plays as Crowder does, and in the underneath game, his gas numbers took a huge leap up this past season. They weren't that great over his first few seasons, but uh, in his you know pretty short season in 2018, he started to look a lot better with the ball in his hands, getting... Some of those tough yards, those two, three extra yards at the end of the play. So I definitely think that he brings, you put him next to a noon line, we know how versatile he can be. Like you said, if they do get a, Le- a Le'Veon Bell, that's a lot of versatility to work with. So I think Crowder brings, even though his production might not be uh, as, as good as Adam Humphreys was this year, he might not be the star that Golden Tate has been before. Uh, or maybe he didn't play in playoff games like Cole Beasley does, or have the experience that Beasley does. Those guys definitely have, you know, their positives that make them maybe more attractive. But Crowder does bring versatility and youth because, like you said, I'm pretty sure he's only 25. He's only going to be 25 this season, but Crowder definitely should be mentioned more, I think.
1: Yeah, no question, and I think the other thing that's being overlooked is that you could probably get him for a fraction of what it would cost you to get the other guys, even Beasley. I think he would be less costly than Cole Beasley. I'm not saying that the Jets need to pinch pennies here at all, don't get me wrong, but what I am saying is if they decide to spend their money elsewhere or are fortunate enough to land some of the big fish that we talked about, Michael, whether it's Paradise Bell, Anthony Barr... Trey Flowers, those guys, you could be looking at an opportunity to add somebody like Crowder who could be a very, very attractive third option at a bargain price. And then you're able to go forward and maybe have the flexibility to make a move. If somebody like Khalil Mack becoming available or anybody in that level is available, you now still have some cap space to work with because you didn't blow it all on Adam Humphreys. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, and I do think that the receiver position, like, and like you said, the Jets should not be pitching pennies, they should be using all this cap space to get, you know, whoever they can get, but I do think the receiver position is probably the one position you might want to be a little bit careful with, because, like, you look at the players in these position, uh, at this position, if Adam Humphreys is going to be your $15 million a year guy uh, this season... And you compare him to like a Crowder, if you can get Crowder for, and again, like this should not be the overall philosophy, but mm-hmm. if you can get Crowder for like half the price of what Humphreys is going to get, their production is pretty much the same if you look at their career. For the most part, Humphreys has been more healthy, so he's put up bigger volume numbers. He's played in an offense that has a lot of t- uh, talent in the passing game, and they throw the ball a lot because they're trailing a lot. So he's put up bigger volume numbers, but, and Crowder had his injuries this season, so, you know, and like you said, you should not have the, you know, if you can get 50% of the production for <laughs> 20% of the price, that should not be the philosophy. But at this position, uh, like you said, with the Jets having bigger targets at other spots, the, the receiver position could be the one spot where the Jets could be thinking like that, maybe get Crowder for half the price for 90% of the production or, you know, whatever, uh, whoever it may be. So that could be the one spot where pinching pen, not pinching pennies, but being a little bit smarter with the spending could make sense.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's not exactly like the joke that we always throw around about how you could have Trenton Cannon for one one hundredth of the price and get 20% of the production or whatever, as we're obviously teasing people that are saying that, why pay Bell when you could have Trenton Cannon and Elijah McGuire. This is a legitimate situation where you probably could get a guy for half the price that could give you 90% of the production. So I think that's definitely well worth looking at. We're going to see if that's what the Jets do as free agency gets closer and closer and closer michael i know that we are going to discuss Le'Veon bell in depth next week but besides bell what do you have cooking over at gangrene nation what do you have cooking at elite sports new york what do you have cooking for your famous twitter numbers breakdowns
2: yeah so i'll definitely probably be looking at because we've gone over a ton of receivers already offensive lineman on here so probably going to be looking into more defensive guys a few more edge rushers preston Smith, darius smith a couple guys there actually who i probably should have mentioned uh, that should be getting discussed more that haven't been. So definitely those two guys will probably be getting into today. Uh, so yeah, definitely more uh, free agents on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm ready for this period to finally be over and just stop discussing all this, especially Bell. Just let me on Bell. Pick a team. If you go somewhere else, and I could say the Jets are smart to not get you. But if you come to the Jets, I'm going to justify and do all the positivity. So I just want that guy to pick a team.
1: Yeah, I think this is like the Cousins thing. We talk about it incessantly, and then it's either going to happen or it's not. So let's bring on free agency. March 12th can't get here fast enough as far as I'm concerned. Michael, thanks so much for coming on again. Really appreciate it. If you haven't been following Michael on Twitter, shame on you. Go follow him on Twitter. Read his stuff at Gang Nation and Elite Sports New York. And of course, make sure you listen to them right here because this is the place that you go to for the very best in Jets content and podcast. It's Turn On The Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.